Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. This is episode 162. My name is Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? Doing okay. Doing all right. All right, cool. And uh, happy Thursday to everybody. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's kind of weird. Um, Pelicans basketball is back on TV with the Summer League, which looks like they're playing in a high school gym. Um, and it's. I think at one point that's where the way it used to be, like I said, it's in Las Vegas. And I think they used to do it either at a, high, a local high school or a community college kind of gymnasium. It used to be big, but then everybody well, started going, oh, we got to see Zion, Yamana. Well, they're, they're still at UNLV. Bigger, but... Yeah, they're at UNLV. But, I mean, and the mm-hmm. people who are playing, are it's like NFL preseason. It's like, way to go, whatever your name is. And, mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest name on the court right now is Dyson Daniels. Um, so... <laughs> Anyway, it's uh, but it's just, it's nice if you're, with all due respect to baseball fans, I mean, not a, not a baseball fan, nothing against baseball, so don't at me on anything, but if you're not a baseball fan, there's really nothing for you to be into right now, and so having a little bit of basketball, yeah, not too bad. So, anyway. well, uh, like, I, like I tell uh, my friends who watch soccer, because the preseason soccer friendlies are starting now. Uh, my soccer club, Arsenal, just had their first one today. I, I, we say all the time, it's not about the result, it's about the performance. You want to see how your players look, if guys who are coming back hurt from injuries are looking better, if the team kind of looks like it's going to be what it's doing. Throw out any and all results because none of it matters. You just want to see good, healthy competition, and then, hey, they're ready to play when things matter. That's that's what you want to see. So does it pain you to say soccer? No, I don't know. I didn't know if you you said it for dumb Americans, you know, who are like, football, I'm confused. There's too many footballs. Not at all. Right. Not at all. It's it's like using a different language, you know. I just switch back and forth all the time, not a problem. Well, okay. Well, I just wondered because you just you slid into it so easily there. But uh, um, cool. All right. So, what else is going on in the world? I don't think anything hugongous tonight on the show. Um, there's several bits of news. Um, there's uh, we're going to be talking about some uh, Emmy nods. We're going to talk about some Disney news, and uh, but the main topic of tonight is. Uh, man, we got a surprise this past week with uh, the Ahsoka trailer. It's like full trailer, um, and there's some surprising stuff in there. Um, but first, we don't have to – has has everybody watched uh, – are they caught up on Secret Invasion? Yeah. Okay, so everybody, spoiler alert. So if you don't want spoilers, go away. Okay, um, you got three seconds. Three, two, one. All right, so um, – Rody as a scroll this whole time. Yeah, Feige uh, said that, um, interestingly, he teased that he might have been a scroll longer than people might have thought. So what there was an interesting so. thing in Endgame when he and Captain Marvel have a moment when they're in their hologram meeting with Black Widow. And I remember seeing... It was either a reaction video or Scott Colesby told me or something, but in the comics is like they were kind of a thing in the comics. 
So I don't know if that, are we supposed to have, you know, is there an illusion there? <laughs> but I mean, but it sounds like he's been a scroll since we've known Rhodey. Well, that's the question is, you know, is it, a, is it that has it been since we've known Rhodey or is it that somewhere on the way as Rhodey became more important in the MCU, he got replaced? Because that's one of the things that the scrolls have been good at. They're, you know, you don't have a scroll who is uh, a butcher, a scroll who's you know, took over a life of somebody who uh, makes, you know, handles or whatever. They're taking over people in positions of power because they can replicate them so well. So recreating one of the you know, recreating one of the Avengers makes sense. Uh, so it kind of puts you in a position wondering when, if it happened, because Rhodey was one of the Avengers who didn't get blipped away. Did he? Did he maybe? Uh, did he maybe actually die um, when uh, Vision the, shot him out of the air? Or maybe within the five years that in between. Uh, the blip in Infinity War and Endgame, you know, it's an interesting question because it does raise the possibility of when along the line. Now, the one that I've heard the best is it's a great way to explain explain why this roadie did not look like Terrence Howard. <laughs> which, I'm, which I'm just like, you know, that's a beautiful so, solution to that. Tony wouldn't notice. I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> I, I saw one good piece of speculation that said... Um, post-Civil War might have been when the switch occurred because he was laid up in the hospital and would have been vulnerable and um, a little more uh, able for somebody to to sub him out at that point. Right. Yeah. Now, I know that we're talking about uh, we're talking about comic books. So let's let's gr- let's ground my let's ground ourselves, Aaron. But mm-hmm. do, you, do you find it cheap at all? It's like Oh, we're going to, you know, I think Hitchcock would say it was kind of cheap. He didn't like, he said he didn't like the kinds of scares where a cat would jump, you know, out from behind a dresser and, and scare you. He thought those were cheap scares. So here we got, you know, last episode, you know, um, Gaia gets shot and it's like, oh no, Gaia's dead. And then at the beginning of the episode, it's like, oh, fooled you, you know, no, she had superpowers that she could, you know, heal herself i know that's part of the storyline but it just i don't know it uh seems a little like a fourth grade playground and um kind of cheap storytelling it's like i don't know i like i still like the episodes but it's just one of those things where i'm just like really no okay (laughs) yeah it's it's it creates an interesting dynamic because on the one hand it's it, it is a story based on comic books about superheroes, so the idea that a bullet would not necessarily be the end um, is not unforeseen. Shoot. Uh, it happens all the time in comic books. Yeah. At the same time, though, the idea is that, you know, there's got to be some sort of stakes. And if you're presenting the, you know, the concept of how Gaia and Talos are not together, and then the episode starts with Gaia coming back to Talos, and then the episode ends with Talos, maybe dead now. No, that's the thing. If, if, Talos, that... if Talos comes back in episode five, did you just do this trick twice? Yeah, you, you leave you leave all these episodes like not feeling too bad that somebody got shot and killed because it's like, I don't know, it might be them, you know? <laughs> and that's been my biggest problem with the whole multiverse 
uh, side of this thing, which is like if somebody dies, you just replace them out of another multiverse, and it makes death a little less permanent. Yeah, it's like it's like landfill two in uh, beer fest, you know? Right. <laughs> like like a minute later, like they put they put landfill in the ground, and then landfill two shows right up. <laughs> that's the most ballsy thing ever to do in a movie <laughs> i love that movie so much I, I i it's like one of those things where i i never watched it then i i watched it one time now i can't if it's on i watch it and i and i love it when somebody says oh it's so frustrating because i go it's frustrating frustrating it's frustrating <laughs> anyway okay we didn't hear to come here to talk about beer fest uh, so anyway no I'm, I'm digging secret invasion it's fun but i do find now it's like you know at the end of last episode like i said it's like guy got shot oh geez and now it's like you know, all right maybe you know it's i and hoping to have uh <clears throat> some answers because but if roadie is a scroll and has always been a scroll that is going to affect rewatches of any of the previous marvel movies I find, I find that very interesting. That's a that's a way to the way to loop people in. I don't know. Um, well, enough of that. All right. So let's do some trivia. Let's so we can start talking about some Star Wars. Da, 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 da. All right, Fredo to you. It's <laughs> the first one I saw. Who wails? Who wails? I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. Not just the men, the women, and the children, too. Yeah, um, that would be the one and only Anakin Skywalker. And which was followed up with Padme saying, oh, you're so hot. Let's go make out. Let's get married. Don't think she quite said that in those words, but, you know. It's like there are certain things that would be a deal breaker for me. And. I mean, mass murder might be one of those. Yeah, smoking and mass murder, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. Deal breaker, not happening. All right. <clears throat> Dave. Uh -huh. oh. oh, my God. I'm so sorry. After that one, I'm so sorry for this one. How many nostrils grace a Tauntaun's face? Oh, my gosh. I think we've had this one. How many nostrils grace a Tauntaun's face? It's kind of three. It's four. Okay. It's four. All right. Yeah. Now, now you know, kids. A Tauntaun has four nostrils. I want to go find my my Tauntaun. All right. <clears throat> now I'll say that's good design, though, because that's an, a harsh environment. Where it's difficult to breathe for nostrils. I like to get in. Yeah. All right. Well, and to me, sorry, after Dave gets the Tauntaun nostrils uh, one, uh, who sends the Twilight dancer Ula to her doom? That would be Jabba the Hutt. Da -da -da -da. Tauntaun nostrils. Tauntaun nostrils. Lordy. All right. That should be the name of a band. Tauntaun nostrils. <laughs> but only if it's a four piece. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, uh, Fredo, 
we got a little bit of news here. Yeah, let's start with the good, the good news, the happy news. Uh, earlier in the week, we had the official announcement of the 2023 Emmy nominations. So, kind of stuff that kind of led is mostly the HBO stuff, you know, Succession, Barry, The Last of Us. However, uh, including the nominations were nominations for Andor for Best Drama Series, Best Writing for a Drama Series for uh, showrunner Bo Willeman, Best Directing for a Drama Series for uh, Benjamin Karen, who directed the final two episodes, the big old battle uh, back in, uh, what was the name of the Marquis Five? Marquis of Five? Oh, forget the name of Andor's uh, whole planet now. And then they also had a nomination for Best Limited or Anthology Series for Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, hey, there's a, at least a little bit of recognition there's some talent in there. And it's not just special effects. Well, that's what's interesting. I mean, the, we know it's one thing when you say special effects or, um, you know, some kind of stuff like that. But when you know, you're recognizing the writing quality of Andor, which was one of the strong suits, you know, throughout the, the season, you know, when you're recognizing the quality of the show, because we had our struggles with the up and down nature of the show, but, you know, when it hit its stride, it just kept building and building and building. That was really well done. So, kudos to them. I don't think they'll win just because they're up against some really, really tough competition this year, particularly stuff like Succession that just ended its run and uh, Better Call Saul that just ended its run and The Crown and The White Lotus. So, it's unlikely that it's going to win, but I, just the fact that it's nominated, okay, kudos. I don't know. I I rewatched Andor um, a couple weeks ago, and God, it's it's better the second time around. Um, and that that monologue from um, Luthen, it's just so good. I'm still convinced that he is a Jedi. Um, that that has like it, just that whole speed. But anyway, it it's just so so good. Um, but I don't know what qualifies to win an award. You know, um, I just don't just, know. I don't even. I don't know if anybody knows. Um, and I'll just say this is one of the issues that's kind of coming to the forefront now between the WGA and the SAG after strikes. It's Particularly, we all get comfortable in defining what's a film, meaning what go what no, what the Oscars gonna nominate an award. With the Emmys, now you got you no know, prime time, you know, broadcast channels. You got streaming services. You got, I mean, there's stuff in there from the Roku channel and Disney Plus and HBO, which is now Max. So, you know the. The, the idea of what constitutes what the Emmy should reward is more spread out than ever. And it even includes stuff that ended up in theaters for a week, maybe not. So no. it's it's a bit you know shotgun approach. Now, Dave, you had some time to kill, so you watched uh did a rewatch of Obi-Wan. Um and uh so you, you think it deserves an Emmy nod? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I really do. Um I had a similar reaction to watching that that you did to watching Andor. I think it's better on second viewing. Um, And again, grain of salt. uh, I'm more of a prequel fan than other people of our generation, I think, um, for the most part. But uh, it's it's so well-constructed. 
I mean, it's movie quality. Like, you know, they're in the, you know, the volume at times, and you can tell they're in the volume at times. Um, but just, like, the acting and the, the choreography and some of the special effects and the scoring. And, um, it's just, like, chef's kiss watching this again. And I... I'm still mystified by people that, that, that didn't like it. it again, tastes vary. That's fine. Um, there's probably legitimate reasons not to like it, but I just, gosh, if you, if you watched it and you liked it, I'm, I'm here to tell you that revisit it and you may like it even more on the second viewing. And it makes me wonder, particularly for something like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, where it's meant to be one cohesive story. You know, and or like The Mandalorian, it's a TV series. It's meant to be, it's episodes. A few episodes will carry over one to the next, but there's supposed to be a break at some point. Whereas Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're supposed to be able to sit and watch through. I wonder how, now that you got to sit and just do that, did it, do you feel that it, that enhances the experience more? Like, because you're not waiting for next week to figure out what happened next? I don't know, maybe, like, I binged it this time around. I didn't wait the whole, you know, the week or whatever, or tried to squeeze it in. Uh, I just had an evening to myself, basically, to just watch something. Um, and so I watched it straight through, and it actually it flowed really well. Um, it's not a huge time investment. Most of the episodes are about a half hour long. Um, you know, it's really the final episode that if you um final office is great and they have a lot they try to squeeze into it um but they have a lot they try to squeeze into it so it it sort of it almost drags in comparison to some of the other episodes even though for my money it's the best episode out of all of them um there's so many great payoff moments in there but um so like that's a long-winded way of saying it mostly flows really really well and then by the time you get to the end maybe you get a little tuckered out well, and, um and to to fredo's point in this kind of question i mean the difference though a big difference between obi-wan and um and uh mandalorian oh. it's very similar difference between andor and mandalorian is that you had one director mm -hmm. so you had really one vision um through that whole thing and um i mean I think that matters, but the Mandalorian, I don't know, but the Mandalorian season three was kind of one big long story and kind of got herky jerky in some places. I mean, it's cool that we're seeing other people's, you know, but maybe, maybe it should be, let's not, let's not try to tell one arc of a story. Let's just, you know, have a weekly adventure. Right. If you're going to bring in direct different directors every week, you know, you give them different material to work with. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think there's something to that. But we might have a problem with that. We might never, ever see that sort of thing because Bob Iger talked to <laughs> CNBC. Bob Iger, by the way, it's, he got a contract extension with uh, um, Disney because he still he says we still got some things to fix. And, um, I mean, there was all, there was a whole lot of things with Disney that was going, I mean, I, he's 
if they when Chapik was there, they they upped the prices of the parks. They you know, and all the foods and all everything was like, and so he's got to try to figure out that they implemented new technology with Genie Plus that's ticked off a lot of people. He's dealing with that, and there's also the Disney Plus and the and the movie part of things. So take it away, Fredo. So yeah, and actually, uh, Bob Bob Iger actually stepped in it earlier this week, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. So yeah, he uh, Bob was doing an interview with CNBC, and during the discussion, uh, the topic of Star both Star Wars as well as Marvel uh, content got brought up. So you know, there whether it had been too much content, and so I'll just uh, when they ask him about if they're going to pull be pulling back on some of the releases, uh, his simple answer was yes. Then he elaborated and said, quote, you pull back, not just to focus, but as part of our cost-cutting initiative, spending less on what we make and making less. Then he you know, posits the example of uh, Marvel. He says, Marvel's a great example of that. He had not been in the TV business at any significant level, and not only did they increase their movie output, they ended up making a number of TV series. Frankly, it diluted focus and attention. The article in question pulls out that, you know, they've had eight live action TV shows that have gone to Disney Plus with another three already shot when released, another two in production. And then at the same time, they've had seven movies come out at that same time. For the part of Star Wars, uh, you've had The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Andor, Book of Boba Fett, and then you still got Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew and The Acolyte coming. And meanwhile, though, you haven't been able to get a Star Wars movie off the ground since 2019 with so, the rest of Skywalker. So two things. One, it's like, one. So no Lando then, uh, but uh, but the other mm-hmm. one was. Um, I mean, this now we shall not be surprised when we hear that one of the three movies that Kathleen Kennedy announced at uh, Celebration has been tabled. Mm-hmm. That's just the cynic in me. Um, but I mean, it's like, uh, we were talking in our private chat, you know, a couple days ago, it's like, you know, until, until we see a trailer, I'm not, you know, and, and I mean a real trailer, not Patty Jenkins skateboarding on, you know, a tarmac or whatever it was. Um, not going to believe that anything's coming. Nor should you really. I mean, it's the biggest grain of salt is required um, here, and it's it is what it is. And I think like people tend to get really excited about these announcements, and it's just like temper your enthusiasm because we do. When it's years away, you don't know what's going to happen. Is the script going to fall apart? Is the are they going to have production issues? Uh, Is somebody pandemic? Yeah global pandemic you know um there's so much that can go wrong and it, it, regardless of whether they think they have a good the the makings of a good film they may just make a bottom line decision and say no we can't do this right now and that's their prerogative and and so people i mean i would i would just caution to, to, to you know be mindful of that reality when when any of these announcements come out just be well and let's and also i mean let's also be honest that i mean disney is still they they've laid off some people they've laid off people within disney and within espn and stuff like that um but they're still going through the you know thing that like the big tech companies have gone through this you know first half of the year of 
trying to cut costs. And, um, but of course, yeah. And like you said, Fredo, he stepped in it, um, because, uh, it gave one of the most lousy answers, uh, to another topic, um, that I'll pitch to you now. So, yeah. So, uh, okay. Uh, the news that broke today is that the SAG, the Student Green Actors Guild, which is the Actors uh, Union, voted today to officially go on strike starting at midnight uh, Pacific time tonight. So as of 12.01 right now, uh, both the writers as well as the actors will not be involved in any level of production. That includes filming, that includes uh, any kind of pre-production work, that includes any post-production work, so like uh, voiceover recordings, it includes any promotion or marketing. So like today, uh, there were studios uh, for Oppenheimer who was trying to get the actors because they were having the, their London premiere. They're, they moved it up to try to get them in there before word of the strike came down. And the actors literally said, nope, we're not being a part of this. They walked off the, they walked off the red carpet, basically, or before they got to the red carpet. So there's going to be some impact to that because, well, let me just give you the, the bots quote. So that, you know, during the same interview where he's talking about how they need to pull back on Marvel and Disney stuff, his quote was, "It's very disturbing to me." Uh, talking about the the strike by the writers and the imminent strike by the actors, it's very disturbing to me. We've talked about disruptive forces in this business and all the challenges we're facing. This is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption. You know, there's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. And they're adding to the set of challenges to this business is so that this business is already facing that is quite frankly very disruptive. So, no sounds, like, sounds like suck it up, guys. Yeah, it sounds like King George to the colonies. Yeah. I mean, for crying out loud. Just so you know, Bob Iger just signed a new contract where he's paid $25 million a year with a $20 million yearly bonus. Well, and he's not hurt. And I, I saw the it's like they they said, well, they said they they they're the actors, um, the union's uh, request was just out of line. They said, "Well, what they request?" And he's like, "I don't know." He didn't. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, he didn't have an answer for it. So, yeah. um, this is kind of, I don't know. This is kind of interesting. It's the whole thing is kind of interesting. But well, and the other the other kind of catches because really, what the writers as well as the actors are currently working regarding is two things. One the amount of residuals they're getting from streaming services. So Disney Plus, HBO Max, uh, Netflix, it's been a bone of contention because the streamers will say, oh, we're not making money of this, or look, our viewership is going down. And so they don't pay the writers and the actors who have their fair share. The other thing is AI. And I think in the last deal that they try to mediate today, uh, somebody made a point of saying uh, during the saga, uh, press conference that said that one of the, the studios were proposing to pay a background extra a day's salary for being in the background, which is about $180, so they could scan their face and body, whose digital image rights would be owned by the studios in perpetuity. So imagine you're an actor for 180 bucks, the studio can plop you into any movie they want as a background extra for the rest of time. And 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 that, what happens to that background extra like? makes it big or something you know you but they'll just put you in there oh. yeah this whole thing that, that was man that was bs 
that means like in essence that they will stop hiring background extras and, and there are a lot of people that sort of depend on that income um the people make a living doing that um when my wife was unemployed several years back she was an extra on a movie um and it didn't pay her a lot but she need she needed a little she, it sounded fun she needed the cash so she did it you know um and she met a lot of cool people that that do that um and new orleans is a big community for that there's a, there's a lot of shooting that happens here so um yeah i yeah, I just think that's disgusting. Yeah, my brother actually was uh, standing in uh, Treme for a couple of actors, and then he did the same for a few movies. Again, you don't get paid big bucks, but you stand around and you do kind of work with you know with a movie production or TV show for 10, 12 hours. That, that then, okay, you get a little bit of check right there, and then you get a check for 30 cents every month or every two months for it. Okay, but it's more the idea of recognizing the value that these people have and just, you know, if we already know that with the deep fake technology that's already out in the public, never mind what the studio's got, just in public hands, you could recreate a very good um, anyway. version of some movies with somebody act, some other actor. I imagine what that technology is going to be, AI is going to be in 10 years. Well, so my, my question is, I mean, we can have, like I said, we need to have an episode just where we talk about AI and how it could affect stuff like this. Um, I mean, is it, am I so far-fetched to say, are people going to have to like file for a, are they going to have to trademark their likeness? You know, and, and not just trademark, because remember trademarks last, up until the person's death plus seven years. But if you're talking the image likeness, you know, how do you how do you market that in perpetuity? How do you ensure that, you know, if you're say somebody like uh, Pedro Pascal, for example, how do you ensure that if Disney hundred years from now wants to bring back Mandalorian and put digital Pedro Pascal in as the star? your family that whoever your heirs whatever your state is gets that compensation for you know putting your face in a product you know it's 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 a brave new frontier in regards to what can be done and i don't think the studios are recognizing that they don't have all the answers they just want to be able to say we're going to go now because this saves us a buck and the actors and the writers are very much in the point of view of saying wait a minute you know, the, you know, much like the way when uh, basketball players, football players go on strike, the top guys will always get paid. That's never going to be a problem. There's a lot of rank and file who are just going to get shoved to the side. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to get minimized. And the problem is the technology now allows them to do that now to just about everybody. You know, you know, you may not do it to Tom Cruise right now. Tom Cruise, 30 years from now, when he's not with us, may find himself still acting in Mission Impossible 27. Well, let's be thankful that uh, we have Ahsoka coming out in August because it's done and everything like that because we ain't going to be getting anything for a while. So, so, and speaking of that, so regarding Ahsoka, one of the impacts of this strike is you're not going to see Rosario Dawson, Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead, Natasha Liberty. So all the actors, you're not going to see them out promoting Ahsoka because they can't do that by, by strike rules. Uh, you're probably not going to see the cast of Skeleton Crew or the Acolyte. Is that why they uh, dropped promoting. the trailer two days ago so Rosario Dawson could mm-hmm. like tweet it out and everything like that? I mean, that was yeah, Exactly. 
Okay, not even not don't no, they can't share it on social media. They can't be you know you, they can't do any uh, interviews. You know nothing. They they are basically because it's all promotion for the studios for the work that they've done, and that that all gets supposed to be compensated. So you you know next month you're supposed to get uh, uh, all the stuff ramping up to Ahsoka, and unless they come back to it to the table and work a deal, not happening. So yeah, enjoy the trailer because that might be the last bit of uh, Ahsoka uh, promotion that we get until the show drops. Which we found out that Ahsoka is coming out. The first two episodes are dropping on, uh, uh, let me see, on August 23rd. So speaking of which, let's talk about this trailer because there was some, I mean, usually trailers don't give me something to go huh hmm. this one this one did especially in one place um but uh i suppose what we'll do i've got it on my ipad we're not going to listen to it or anything like that but i'm just going to kind of scrub through um so we can see what's going on it starts off with um we get this kind of lambda type shuttle not the good old Return of the Jedi type, but we get a shuttle that's heading off into a uh, Republic cruiser, and uh, we see the um, air quotes baddies with orange lightsabers, um, kind of start a whomping and a whooping. Um, and the big things that he that he says, and what's his what's his name? Um, not oh. the, not the actor, but uh, it was Ray Stevenson was the actor's mm -hmm. name anyway he says uh oh, balin yeah balin he says uh i mean the big thing he says is uh we are no jedi um which is kind of an interesting callback um because uh you know it was ahsoka who said to darth vader you know when vader said and rebels said that's not the jedi way she says i am no jedi so Right away, we're getting kind of a callback, and I think, like I said, I think it's setting up what does it mean to be a Jedi, and does Ahsoka eventually become a Jedi? Um, so then we, and if you guys want to stop and talk about anything, just let me know. Um, but we see a bunch of uh, New Republic people getting force choked, force pushed, shot at, sliced up. Um, da -da 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 -da. And uh, let's see here. We get uh, that that a good old line of uh, about Thrawn's return as the heir of the Empire, um, and we actually see Thrawn's face in this trailer. I don't know if I'm there yet, but um, but it's also the uh, who who is the baddie from that Mandalorian episode? What's her name? Um, the one with Ahsoka that she battled and said, "Where is Thrawn?" I mean, she's obviously been I, I i thought she was dead but then when we realized she was coming back um so she made it out maybe she was just arrested maybe she's broken out of prison maybe that's what's going on at the beginning of this trailer i don't know um uh, magistrate, magistrate morgan Nelsmith. yeah and there's something interesting um in this right okay so she uses her hand to light up a map. Um, 
and underneath that map there's a little green flame i, I caught i caught this on new rock stars um and so this was their um point i'm gonna throw it out to you guys possibility night sisters be interesting because we know from the jedi fallen order and jedi survivor games that at least one night sister survived the wiping out that the empire did of them so it makes you wonder if maybe more than one other survived you know that you know we're finding out the empire talks about purges left front center but they're not quite good at actually purging you know, hey, the Prince of Jedi. So I, Jedi I think I, you know, I really dug the Night Sisters stuff in the Clone Wars, mm -hmm. and I think that would be mm -hmm. a cool thing to to have in here. I don't know, Dave. Yeah, yeah, no, like I'd be down because um, it's it, it trends into this sort of idea of uh, mysticism um, that sometimes Star Wars doesn't maybe do enough of because I like you go back to a New Hope and. Obi-Wan talking to Luke about the force and it's this sort of you know undefined thing um and, and George Lucas's original um thought process behind the the trilogy was to not just do a trilogy but to do like nine movies or something uh and at the end of it it was going to be like just fighting on astral planes and things of that nature you know like um in the afterlife um which i would have been down for in episode nine to be honest over what we got uh <laughs> it would have been it would have been cool to see dead emperor fighting like dead luke or something you know like i think it would have worked better but um I, I'm, I'm down with like oh we can't always explain everything and this is a little more magical in nature well, and, it, and it also i mean with the line of we are no jedi I think it seems like, hey, we are now teaching the the populace that the Force isn't just about Jedi and Sith. It's not a, you know, it's not about light and dark, you know. So um, there's a lot of people who are, you know, able to do things through the Force in different ways. Um, however, it does seem now like um, to me like. I'm not saying it's a MacGuffin, but it seems like we're on a we're on a race to find Thrawn. Seems like you have Balin and what's her bucket with uh, the maybe Night Sister trying to find Thrawn, while at the same time I think Ahsoka and Sabine eventually trying to find Thrawn because that helps them find Ezra. Um, so it seems like a race. Timeline on that is sort of interesting because it's confusing. The timeline? Did you say the timeline? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some confusing elements to this. I think there. I think we're all assuming a lot of things. Like the the end. I'm sorry, I stepped on you here, but I've been thinking mm -hmm. about this too. It's like we think that the end of Rebels. That that epilogue the is the start, and that it's now Sabine and ahsoka going off to find ezra i don't know if necessarily if that's what it was there are things in the trailer that would indicate otherwise right so let's uh let's keep fredo's got something to say go ahead 
No, because I was going to say, because in the trailer, and we'll come up to it, it's they recreate that final scene from Rebels to give you the impression of that it is at some point going to connect to that moment. And they make it. But of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's that that's the first scene we're going to see. You know? Well, so that may, okay, that that may be a flashback. That's my well, that's that's my thing. We Rebels really ends, I mean, with. Um, when uh, when 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 yeah, with the saving of the hall and so there is a good uh a good 10-ish years that's going on until we get to the epilogue so mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that could have been happening anyway so okay so we're we're, we're okay let's let's just keep on through the trailer here so we're going we're looking at what looks to be kind of a map i don't know um and then we see more a wampin and a whooping with the um the body hunters the, yeah the uh orange sabers um hera which by the way by the way on the orange sabers just to kind of mention you know they were nope fredo just froze oh they're jedi they said they're no jedi there's nothing did i you you throw mm -hmm. you're gonna have to start over again. Um, so the okay. the orange saber. What about it? No, no. I was just gonna say we're presuming that they may have been light side Jedi who were hiding from the Empire. For all we know, there could be might have been servants of the Emperor who uh, decided to go. It's been contractor. It's been on the record that it, that Balin is a uh, Jedi who survived Order sixty six, and. So that, uh, I think then became like say. a mercenary. Um, mm -hmm. so then we get into a bunch of Hera stuff here. And the interesting thing here is Hera saying, I, you know, I've lived my whole life trying to fight, a, you know, fighting a war. That's why I'm trying to convince you to help me to prevent another one. So I think we're seeing, you know, any, that's when you see Mon Mothma and, um, you know, the other, leaders of the new republic um i don't know i don't know how big of a role mon mothma is going to have in this but i think it's to set up that the new republic is weak um i don't know i, I don't i don't necessarily think i mean you gotta have her because she is in a weird way the link from the rebellion to the new republic government because we're not going to get Princess Leia, we're not going to get uh, a lot of the characters that we saw in, in the military side of, uh, of Return of the Jedi, the Rebellion, whatever. So having Mon Mothma makes sense. Uh, you're right, I don't know that we're going to get her for much more than a couple of scenes. Yeah. I mean, should they might have shot this in between uh, scenes of Andor Season 2, just because, you know, change makeup, change a little bit of things, and boom, she's Mon Mothma a generation later, so... Uh, I don't think it's because this is not really the story they're going to tell. This is focus on Ahsoka and Thrawn. So the threat coming from the from the edges of the galaxy. So here's where it gets interesting, guys. Okay, Hera says to uh, Ahsoka, you and I both know who could help you with this. Um, and then that's when we start seeing pictures of Sabine. And Ahsoka says she's still just as stubborn as ever. And um, Hera says, I bet your master found you difficult. I, well, I, I miss it. Well, like if your master found you difficult at times, 
And Ahsoka says, Anakin never got to finish my training. Um, I walked away from him just like I walked away from Sabine. For, I'll get to the end of the sentence here then, but that's the first part where it's like, huh? And then she goes on and says, Sabine says then, you never made things easy for me. Long pause. Master. All right, guys, we need to talk. So we know there's a master-apprentice relationship. I'm not saying master-padawan. I'm saying master and apprentice relationship here. Um, we um, And then we know that um, Ahsoka walked away. And by the way, the cool thing that was in between in that little shot, did you guys notice the uh, 1977 R2-D2 that's going to be in this show? Totally modeled off that original action figure. It is awesome. But anyway, let's, uh, what are we, what, what's going on here with Sabine and Ahsoka? I think it stands to reason. Um, given if you, if you watched Rebels, um, she was on a slower path than Ezra, but was still on a path towards having some horse talents and uh, some training. Uh, it was Kanan who was helping her through that. Um, and then, um, it kind of dropped that and, uh, and then the series ended. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, yes, it's kind of exciting or it's a bit of a tr- bomb to say, oh, you know, she might be force sensitive and she might be on the path to uh, becoming a Jedi. But... Oh no, go ahead. No, because what's interesting is she wasn't being trained in the Darksaber by Kanan because he thought she was Force-sensitive. They were training her in the Darksaber because they needed a Mandalorian warrior to lead, to unite the Mandalorian clans. What we saw, um, uh, what's her name, Bo-Katan just do in Season 3 of Mandalorian. That was the whole idea is, well, we need, we have the, the symbol of unity for the Mandalorian clans, and we have a Mandalorian warrior who everybody can come unite with but never thought that that meant that she was a force sensitive or be at the makings of a Jedi. at least rebels never states that so but okay so let's uh, let's make i think this... it's open to interpretation well, but, right? okay. i read it that way mm-hmm. and there's the thing let's let's yeah. uh let's take this a little further because there's more stuff that they put in here first of all we have uh shots of sabine with long hair and then um then we see her like well, she watches the hologram. We hear Ezra's voice, which I, I, that, I mean, that was like really good, actually. I mean, it kind of, it almost sounded like Rebels Ezra. Um, and she's watching this, this hologram. And I think this is actually the same one that he, the note that he left them at the end of Rebels. Um, that I mean, she's watching again. And so then all of a sudden we see Sabine kneeling in front of her helmet and she cuts her hair in the exact same way that Kanan cut his hair in Jedi Knight. Um, what the, well, I think that was the episode's name. Um, when, And I always interpreted that as Kanan now fully committing to being and as I'm about ready to say it, I'm actually 
pausing for a second. I'm not going to say Jedi. I'm going to say hero. To accept that hero's journey. Because he really kind of resisted and tried to find other people to do it and things like that. He, he was part of a team. But then he was like finally at that point stepping out and saying, I'm now leading the way. So I don't know here if Sabine is saying, okay, it's time to be a Jedi or if it's time to quit hanging out in the tower and, you know, um, and be the leader that I'm supposed to be. Now, here's the deal is that, again, we saw a conversation with long hair Sabine and Ahsoka. And then we see the total recreation that you talked about, Fredo, of her touching, you know, Ahsoka's in the cloak um she's and then sabine's kind of touching the uh mural and she's got short hair and says nice haircut that seems to be the end of rebels the epilogue i don't think those two scenes are like yesterday sabine has long hair and then today she has short. i don't know this is kind of interesting creates an interesting dynamic because again on the one hand it looks and sounds and feels like a recreation. On the other, would you go back and redo a similar scene again, beat for beat? I'm not sure. But that that's where, you know, to me, it feels like it's a, like they did it to put it as a flashback to the start of their journey search for restaurant because it feels like we're going to find out that things didn't go according to plan and maybe they went their separate ways. So we'll see. It's, it's an interesting point that they're trying to bring up that there's a relationship now between Ahsoka and Sabine because I don't remember they didn't have really have much of one in the show no they fought side by side but you know they Ahsoka was primarily focused on relationship building with uh Kanan and with Ezra the two Jedi in the show it wasn't with Sabine it wasn't with Garrus it wasn't with that uh it was I think she had more of a relationship with Hera than she did with Sabine or Garrus in the show so but they have to you know they may be been you know, trying to show us they started in, in a good place maybe things didn't go according to plan and now they kind of have to refine themselves again dave how'd you interpret the cutting of the hair because that again was that was a big that was a big moment in this trailer yeah i don't i don't read too much into it i i mean i honestly feel like um like you said, it's almost a reenacting of uh, um, the end, the the epilogue of the series, um, Rebels, and and so, I mean, I guess where I'm at with it is, is again, it's kind of like, is the timing of this gonna line up in a way that makes some sense? <laughs> I guess that's where I go. That's where my brain immediately goes. And it's like, are we re It would be an interesting precedent for them to set to reinterpret uh, scenes that occur in animation in live action. Um, they haven't really done that. Um, but I like guess maybe they've given us. They've given us more insight into specific events like Order 66. Like, we're going to show you Order 66 from this person's point of view. Um, 
and, and so they've they've revisited things, but they haven't necessarily like gone back and said, "Here's here's a moment, and we're going to show it to you again in live action." When it when we originally showed it to you in animation, so that would be for me that would be a really interesting. But I guess thing that, for them to do that wasn't that wasn't where I was going. I was actually thinking more about the shot of Sabine taking the knife and cutting her hair, which was not a recreation of something that happened in rebels, but actually a mirror of something that happened with Kanan going through that ceremonial thing. That's what I was getting at is like, what, yeah, but what, uh, what I was thinking about with it was that it, it leads into it's prior to the end, the epilogue in theory, because in the epilogue, she's got the short hair. Um, <laughs> she, she's got this new haircut and we're going to go get Ezra now. Okay. Um, and it was just kind of interesting for me to see that with just get the long hair. We're going to, we're going to tell you stuff about things that happened prior to the epilogue. Um, which again, is kind of an interesting thing. It's like, we're going back and we're showing you what you've seen before. And I'm wondering if they're doing that. Um, if that's what they're doing, a, B, uh, if that's a precedent that they might revisit in future series or movies, um, I have specific ideas about that, um, and see if it, um, if it, mean, <laughs> if it means anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, like the, the mirroring, that's what Star Wars is all about. And that's, that's Filoni to a T, right? He, He's the Padawan of Lucas and he's going to he's going to do the rhyming, the mirroring. He's going to do all of that. Like, like I said, the thing that, that struck me was that this is very telling as to this is going to be more of a Sabine story than probably we thought it was going to be. Because that just showing that that and, you know, it tells me that she's, you know, first of all, we're being told that she's stubborn, that she's you know, all those things. And then she's doing the exact same. I'll, I'll get off the horse. But um, so if, if it's a Sabine story, it will continue the great Star Wars tradition of titling, of mis right? misnaming their television shows. So the, the trailer continues a bunch of chasing and shoot them up and uh, says, if we don't stop Thrawn, everything will be in vain. And that's when we see um, uh, good old uh, Lars Mikkelsen as uh, Thrawn and um uh, Everybody's like, Yee! what I'm excited is that I'm going to actually hear that voice. That's, I mean, you can put any dude in, you know, blue makeup, makeup. and red contacts and a white suit and it's going to be Thrawn, but it's the voice that I've heard for, you know, several seasons of Rebels that's going to matter and make me buy into that character <laughs> even more. Um, so, I don't know. He looked fine as Thrawn, so... Um, and uh, but to your point, like the voice and the performance, or or that's going to be what carries the character. Uh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about the look. The look looks a little off to me for some reason. I don't know if it's yeah, it's a like... shade of blue or, or his eyes. There's something about his eyes that look a little off. We we could always say that he lost his mind wherever the Purgle took him. <laughs> you know, speaking of which, you actually see a big shot of a purgle in this uh, trailer. Um, 
So that's kind of interesting. Um, but then it, we continue. We got Sabine fighting Shin, I believe her name is, um, lightsaber to lightsaber. Um, and then Ahsoka battling Balin. Um, but Ahsoka says something. I'm not here to discuss my past because he, he actually references Anakin Skywalker to her. So that's interesting. We've heard that Hayden Christensen is probably going to be in this. Has that been confirmed well, uh, or... Well, uh, yesterday, well, yeah, yeah, yesterday while doing promotion for the Haunted Passion, they got Rosario Dawson to ask her, what, what kind of ghost would Ahsoka see? And when she says, well, if Ahsoka were to see any kind of ghost, she would see Force ghosts. And immediately the internet lost his mind saying, confirmation, you know, Force Anakin, Force Ghost Anakin's coming back. So I don't think she meant it that way, but, you know, she kind of knew what she was doing. And then you get the, uh, um, Oh, just like kind of some last fighting shoot 'em up type thing. We see an inquisitor. Um whoever I was kind of surprised. I, I mean we've seen we've seen the Inquisitor before uh in the original trailer. Um but mm -hmm. uh yeah, so we, we we'll mm -hmm. have a spinny lightsaber. So um mm -hmm. a lot of interesting well, things okay. that are gonna be coming in this uh um Will we see helicopter uh, inquisitors? Uh, I will. Uh, yeah. Be, be prepared for a rant. <laughs> be prepared for a rant. Oh my god! Kind of you know this. The thing, I mean, this. I think this trailer does what you know. Like I said, it's got us wondering what, where in the timeline of things, and that was actually kind of interesting with getting back to our Marvel Secret Invasion thing it's like last week when Gaia gets oh sorry spoiler alert all right go away all right now we're back um when Gaia got shot and Brit's like well guess that's that and I was like well no we've there are shots in the trailer that we've seen with Amelia Clark that we haven't seen in these three episodes yet and so it's like you knew she was coming back somehow so the trailer this trailer it's like we don't know what the sequencing is we may have only seen bits of two episodes you know who knows what we have seen and we've we've never i think it's kind of a kind of a fun thing when podcasts will after the series has launched go back and it's like try to piece together where these bits of the trailer were from um anyway but like i said there's some cool things in there some things that like i said i like what it did what made me go okay stuff has happened with sabine and ahsoka so that was a an avenue I didn't know, didn't expect us to go down. I thought it was going to be, hey, Skippy, come on, we got to go find Ezra. All right, I'm with you. I, I'm i not surprised, I guess, because, um, I, I don't know, there were little touches of that, I, I thought, with the training with Kanan, um, and I thought, like, yeah, they could go that direction. And so it looks like they are going that direction, unless it's some big misdirect for the trailer, which I hate. Um, well, but, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, we talked about in the Mandalorian season three is like, are we, are we inching towards, you know, we've already, we've, we've had one Mandalorian Jedi. Are we inching towards another Mandalorian Jedi? Uh, you know, I mean, and does Sabine end up ruling Mandalore after all? 
at some point. I don't know. I don't know. There's, I mean, there's a lot of places they could go. So, um, Fredo left, so I hope everything is okay. But, uh, I mean, I don't have much more. This was just, this was just a fun trailer to watch. Um, Fredo, okay, you're back. We're, I was just saying, are we, you know, are we, we talked about it with Mandalorian season three. Are we, are, are we looking at maybe a second Mandalorian Jedi? Is that what Sabine is going to become? That could be, um, I mean, we don't know well, anything. Yeah. Like I said, I just like what this trailer did to make you, you know, put your head on a swivel. So, it would be, yeah, I agree with you. The trailer did the job. I think in a way even better than the first trailer did. You know, it got you excited. It brought you back. It kind of, I was just like, you know, I think I said on Twitter, it's like Filoni, you beautifully had it, bastard. It was my response because you know, this is just Dave Filoni just getting to do everything he's wanted to do for years and years and years with these characters. Um, yeah, regarding Sabine, they have to have some sort of personal journey for her beyond just simply go find Ezra. Yeah. And I think the idea of her maybe working with Ahsoka as uh, possibly training in the Force does that to a certain degree. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how far along they go with it, whether can become a Jedi, whether it's just something more on the lines of she's just getting better with, you know, a warrior, you know, it's a Mandalorian that's important to her, you know. But it'd be interesting to see because you can't just simply have her come along to just be backup to Ahsoka in order to go find uh Ezra, that, that it'll get boring in a hurry. So we saw all of the Rebels crew except for Zeb, which I thought was interesting, even though we we had Zeb and Mandalorian. Um, but here I'm gonna put I'm gonna put money down. Here's here's my hot take, and I'll I'll put uh, if this doesn't happen, I'll buy you guys a round of beer. The surprise of the series is not going to be Force Ghost Anakin. We are going to get Force Ghost Kanan Jarrus, and it's going to be Freddie Prince Jr. With the mask. Well, all you have to do is like you know, give him a you know. You dress him up and look like Kanan. Mm-hmm. Be easy. Really? So, um, but uh, so that that's my that's my that's my hot take. I think that's going to be the one that appears to Sabine to tell her to yeah. to give her a kick in the butt, and it's going to be Freddie Prince Jr. Well, it makes it makes sense. That, I mean, because what we've established about Force Girls is about the relationship with the character. Yoda showing up to Ahsoka. Yoda, you know, uh, showing up to Luke. Um, and we heard Kanan's uh, voice and we heard Kanan's voice in episode nine. So, you know, right. there's precedent there. So, so I'm just saying, guys, we could maybe it won't be a ghost. Maybe it'll be his voice talking to her. Um, but yeah. uh, so. but it's that idea, the idea of if you're going to have a um, a character come back from the nether realm of the force. It's not going to be Qui-Gon Jinn showing up to Sabine. She she has no connection yeah, to him. Who's that? Yeah. And Kanan, Kanan, on the other hand, has a strong uh, bond with uh, Sabine. So that makes sense. That's an episode we need to have is the idea of force ghosts and who can see them because, yeah, I, I've, I've often thought about that. But anyway, okay, parting shots from you guys. Anybody, any hot takes or anything before we sign off? I don't know why I'm my 
mind is resistant to the concept of this being Rebels Part 2. Um, and I think it's going to be Rebels Part 2. Um, I think Filoni said that just recently, didn't he? Kind of confirmed you know, it or... Yeah. It basically, basically did. Um, and uh, I don't know. I don't know why for me. Like, I think I th I'm constantly looking at this from the perspective of are you going to be able to draw in new viewers? And um, because I think like that's important to the future of Star Wars. Um, I'm not sure that Star Wars will ever truly go away. Um, but I do think you have to nurture new audiences. And so I get nervous about being reliant on stories that have already been told, referring back to them. Refer and, and the reason I and say the reason I say that I think it will is because my in-laws love the Mandalorian. They watched Obi-Wan. They've watched mm -hmm. all the other ones. They would not watch any of the cartoons. They're not going to sit down and watch the animated yeah. stuff. I, I will bet dollars to notes they're going to sit down and watch Ahsoka. And they'll probably have some questions, but they're going to like it because of Star Wars. And I think they're going to become invested in those characters. Um, so I, that, I, I think so. But your point is valid. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. is it just going to be you know, something for the private club or will, but I, like I said, I think, um, and then the problem with it being for the private club, if, if it is, um, is then we pick it apart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that hairstyle doesn't look right. You know, like this, you know, the her blue tail, makeup looks weird. Yeah. You know, the makeup's <laughs> wrong, you know, all this stuff, the blue, the blue isn't quite right. Yeah. You know, all these things. Um, I guess what I'll say then as just to try to be positive as I close out here is just that I like the potential of what it could be, um, especially in regards to um, lightsaber play, which uh, I just, again, I just rewatched Obi-Wan. It was great. <laughs> the choreography and that was really, really good and really fun and really visually uh, pleasing and i'm i'm here for that like we're gonna get that right i mean for sure like that's the one promise i think that we're gonna get here so i'm really excited for that um and uh yeah you know rebels part two i love rebels so yeah to just to kind of piggyback on what dave said i think on the one hand i love the idea that the fans are getting continuation of the story so favorite characters, characters that was resolution wasn't achieved for whatever reason, you know. We know that Rebels is fighting a battle here, there towards the end to kind of get get to its finish line, much the same way as Clone Wars did. Um, but at the same time, I do, that is my one concern. It's, it's very much, you have to have done the summer reading in order to know why Thrawn matters, why Sabine matters, who the heck is there? Why are all the fans going nuts over Chopper? Why do we care about Ash right now? I trust Dave Filoni to be a good enough writer to be able to build in some of this stuff into the show so that new fans are not um, lost. But the difficulty there is, is it falls if you're a complete neophyte and all years, oh, this is awesome, but you really should go back and watch Rebels, it's awesome. You know, if you tell me I have to do more homework in order to enjoy your show, 
I may check out. I may go like, I'll wait till this is over. I'll wait till it's a series. So it's already a, you know, a big enough, you know, hill to climb to get new people to get on board just because they feel like they have to have some background knowledge and that could go. Yeah. In some of the shows, yeah, that might not have been the case. I always also just think back to the promise of when The Mandalorian started. The first season of The Mandalorian was you can come in cold. Didn't matter. You didn't have seen a single a moment of the sequels, of the prequels. You could just come and start watching it and it'll be a fun space western. And pretty soon, you know, by, by the end of season one, we're, you know, neck deep in the felony verse so to speak I think, so i think we'll be all right i because, worry that this is uh, well i think we'll be all right it's gonna it's with, gonna be a challenge we didn't hear we didn't really hear any blowback from all, any bo katan stuff i mean mm-hmm. again and i and i'm using my in-laws as kind of i didn't get texts or calls going who is this i'm confused what i think they leave enough nuggets to say you know you know whether it's moff gideon saying she knows that the dark saber, you know, j- just leaving those things. I think that I, like I said, I think we'll be, I think we'll be okay. Um, so I'll just be the optimist here. So. Well, like I said, I hope, I hope so. You're just, I always worry with new properties because this is the thing, you know, we did get Ahsoka. There's some element of knowledge of Ahsoka from Mandalorian Book of Book, but again, it, it, at some point you, you can't just be a, a snake eating its own tail where, there is no entry point for new fans. You have to always have to have those on ramps so that people feel, oh, this is a new thing, and I don't have to. Now, who knows? Maybe Skeleton Crew is that on ramp coming up next yeah. for fans. But you need to have that ability to get people go. Come on, you don't have to. You know, if you're interested in other stuff down the line, you can go back and catch up. If not, don't sweat it. This is still good. Well, all right. Well, uh, let us know what you thought of the Ahsoka trailer. Anything that caught your eye that we didn't mention. Um... As always, you can hit us up online, and uh, we like being bugged at work and stuff like that. So, uh, but until then, we will say, "Who dat?" And training camp in a couple weeks here, guys. So we'll be able to start talking football at some point when we see each other. So, but until then, everybody have a great, great week. My